did I tell you last week that I'd had a bit of a yarn to Chuck Hahn talking about the original... A Chuck Hahn yarn? Yeah, Chuck Hahn yarn. Darn. <laughs> Gone. Oh. Sorry to interrupt. Gone. <laughs> I got more. He's here all week, folks. Try the veal. Thanks to Cryer Malt with over 25 years in the field, where the barley comes from. Cryer Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner, and they are proud supporters of Brews News. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and this is... Good Brews Week. The other voice that you're about to hear when I say g'day, Matt, is Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. G'day, Pete. How are you, mate? Oh, mate, I'm good. I'm good. I was just. I'm uh... a bit sad. I got. I got to say, I'm a little bit sad because you know, I got, I, because we're we're separated. The tyranny of distance again. This wide brown land. It is. And, and also um, because we're back on the coffees. Well, which, that, which not necessarily a bad thing. No, having just done that sweep through the Sunshine Coast we talked about, and then uh, I've just popped over to WA as well to check things out over there. And you know, you, you drop in a brewery, and they sort of buy your beer. They want you to try it, and there's just that constant. And you can't, you can't not. Like it's rude. It's rude not to. No, absolutely. I do. It, it, you can't say no, and it's it's just one of those things that you, you need to. And then, but the, the problem is that we got into this because we love. Uh, craft beer like we, we, we enjoy the, the drinking but when you've had a well, day all day and you finish even, work yeah it's even more than that Matt because it's the I, I think it, it, beer got me here but the people keep me here yep. because it's once you and, and us you know okay our age and all that sort of shit but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but we do go back a little bit further Beer never had personalities. Um, it wasn't really until, like, there was the Cooper family, but that was kind of an amorphous, you know, or unless you, you know, you didn't know them. It was a Cooper, um, no, exactly. But you, but you knew it was a family-owned business, so you assumed there were people in there with the surname Cooper on their business card. Uh, it probably Chuck Hahn was probably the first where it was actually, it was Hahn Brewing, you know, Hahn Long Brew, which was one of my favourites. Um, and and you could actually see, you know, with, with in print advertising or, or whatever it was, you'd actually see, you know, the name, Chuck Hahn has, you know, a rich history of brewing, da, 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 da. and that was probably the first for us, for me anyway. That that's the first recollection I have of of associating a, a brewer with with the brewery. Nowadays, it's almost you can't not. You know, it's it's almost the the brewer comes. For, oh, where are you from? Oh, I used to brew it there, and then whatever it might be. But oh yeah, he's the bloke who brews, or she's the girl who brews. They they know their middle name. They want to meet them. Um, you know, yeah. Chuck Hahn was the first band leader. Would you say, Prof? You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> does, that, does that put him um, <laughs> up the front in the red, white, and blue skirt with the um, with taking the, the bow, the, yeah, the baton? This isn't in the show notes, but uh, did I tell you last week that I'd had a bit of a yarn to Chuck Hahn talking about the original a Chuck Hahn yarn? Yeah, Chuck Hahn yarn. Yeah. Darn. <laughs> Gone. Oh. Sorry to interrupt. Gone. <laughs> I got more. He's here all week, folks. Try the veal. Um, yeah, I was having a chat with Chuck Hahn, and he mentioned that he sort of made a keg of the original, or close to the original version of Hahn Premium. Hahn Premium, um, going you did back to, this. to the eighty-eight, and he—I uh, don't know whether I should be telling tales. Our listeners are discerning; they're fantastic, um, as we keep saying. So, yeah, they won't tell anyone. He was talking that he'd made a keg of the original Hahn. And if you go back to 88, when he started the Hahn Brewery, they had a couple of trial batches and he was brewing something that was 
you know, much closer to a truer Pilsner. And I think the original Hahn Premium had Pilsner on. But then it, when they it did, yes. when they road tested it, you know, the, the, the market wasn't ready for a troop. And in a lot of ways, the market, the, the broader market, not the craft beer market, still isn't ready for a true Pilsner. You serve a Pilsner up at the front bar of your local and people will be going, oh, no, that's Ooh, a, little bit, a little bit much. Oh, it's but it, Yeah, but and, I was, and it got me thinking, I thought, you know, that, that's really interesting because I think sometimes Chuck doesn't get the, um, you know, uh, credit he deserves because he's spent so long in the one of the big houses um, for being a pioneer. But at the same time, he you know was a businessman and he didn't want to make a little garage brewery. He had a, a big brewery that needed to have um, volume, um, and so they toned it back. And I think they sort of lightened the body with some adjunct sugars and those sorts of things. So that the Hun Premium that became very successful, I think it still won a trophy at the Australian International Beer Awards or was best. It did. Um, but it was a little bit lighter. I just said to him, mate, would, if I can organise a, like a brewery that's got a good pilot system, um, would you be interested in, you know, brewing something? And we've never done a like a collaboration beer at Brews News because you know, it's one of those things that I don't want to be the journal who just stands there, you know, having the photo taken with the bag of mould or the bag of hops. Um, because and, I and then say, we made this beer. Yeah. We made this beer. But, you know, I, I, so I didn't want to do a collaboration. But I said, would you be interested in putting together the original lager that you piloted, um, and then we can sort of do a bit of an event around it, and uh, you know the Brews News Legend series or something like that. And uh, he got well, quite maybe excited. we could even even do it as a karma keg and you know, raise some money for a, a worthy cause. Uh, do it as a, that's a great idea, or, but just yeah, just to let people know that when they talk about you know because a lot of people who uh, you know even people who are brewing you know have discovered beer this century, um, you know or even this decade, um, this millennium, Matt, this millennium, no, this millennium, yes, <laughs> um, but. You know, it's been around for a long time and tastes change, fashions change and, you know, the the, the moving feast that is the beer, beer market. So, um, and Chuck got quite excited about that and uh, I think they are looking into it. So I'm hoping that maybe, and I was even having a chat with Brendan Virus last week and uh, sort of having a little bit of a chat about some of the original beers um, that he made. And I thought, oh, gee, I wonder if, I think the first beer that he made was a alt beer. I think. I think the very first beer that he made was an alt. That that rings a bell. Um, and, yeah, so we might even... Uh, and he quite liked the idea as well. And so um, I thought, yeah, maybe that's something that we can do, like a bit of a legend series, looking at, you know, um, breweries that have been around for a while, like brewers that sort of predate what we now consider this rapidly moving, rapidly evolving, throwing up millions of new styles series and showing some of the beers that, you know, are no longer around. Yeah, so kind of so kind of like, yeah, um, not, not Frankensteining your flagship, but, um, but yeah, just recreating a... Oh, yeah, actually, I guess it is kind of... Well, it's not really flagship, but it's, it's, it's what happens when flagships die, go the way of the mm. dodo. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it's the Bruce News Dodo series, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, there we go. And look, I'm sure because we also have, uh, without blowing our own trumpet, but as my grandfather said, don't be afraid to blow your own trumpet, son, because no other bastard will do it for you. Um, that we've got, it's fair to say, a bit of a queue of um, people looking to support what we do here at Brews News with different things. So maybe one of our um, prospective supporters might want to get behind uh, that in terms of you know helping us out to, to make that happen. Because I reckon that is a great idea. Apparently, Lion was actually um, quite liked the idea. You know, Chuck had already sort of taken on. So anyway, so I, I probably can't say too much, but it's no, certainly an idea that we're, we're working at. Um, 
So actually, I wonder if we did any package product, we could possibly. Um, well, before we, you go there, Prof. Before you go, no, there, go I just wanted to say because the other collaboration I wanted to do when I was over in Please. WA, uh, I, I went to. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was Bright Tank Brewing, and the husband and wife uh, Matthew Moore having a chat to him, and it turned out he was a concreter. And I thought, now there's a collaboration series I'd like to do. There's a collaboration of like all the brewers that <laughs> the were concrete beers. Yeah, so Scotty Hargraves. <laughs> the concreters collab. Yes. Concrete collab. Oh, anyway. oh, and we'd have to call it hard in the fuck up, wouldn't we? <laughs> or cup of concrete. Okay. And now, oh, now, now, you were about to segue nicely into, into the news of the week, Pete. Uh, well, before I was about to segue nicely into the news of the week, I thought if we do end up doing um, what we've just discussed and oh, if we needed some people labels there, if, we, if we needed labels we could jump on the dog and bone and call 1300 852 235 to discover a more efficient way to get our small batch canning labels done and that would be through rellings labels and stickers mate you're a pro and yes th- thank you to rellings who have just come back on and uh you know they apparently listeners if uh, if you've got a business apparently they're doing quite well out of uh being associated with the good ship Bruce News. Um, but they also did profit in, in that they do have form for doing small runs because they've just recently done the uh, Bruce Vegas um, special release cans. So, oh, okay, uh, there we go. Yeah, so I, shall, I shall be up for my first Bruce Vegas um, very shortly. You'll get to see the, some uh, of their Queensland work. Beer Award, so I'll get to see some of their fine work in actual label form. This week, smaller is better as the craft beer booms. Uh, the experts pop in to advise brewers on product recall liability. Do you see what I did there? Um, and uh, so let's start off with smaller is better. And this is this is an interesting one for me because um, the one thing I've noticed having visited breweries and and speaking to brewers, going to um, you know craft beer, the craft brewers conference in in the states where they have a massive trade expo. Um, the, the common theme, you know, going back a while was, oh, yeah, we just can't deal with the smaller guys because, you know, they don't have the room to put in our smallest equipment or, you know, they can't afford our, our cheapest equipment. Or you don't need a 3,000 bottle I, I of wine bottling machine. When, exactly. When... They don't need to pump out, you know, I, I don't need a 64-head filler if I'm only doing, you know, small runs of cans or whatever it might be. And that's something that really has changed. So it's it's partly and, – and look, I guess it's, it's the great free market capitalist system that we live in that – you know, supply and demand will mean that there's a shift in what people want to produce, what people want to buy, and then the you know the I guess the um, the manufacturing machinery that that goes along with that. Yeah, and look, there's you've highlighted that uh, beautifully while we included that, and you know, I had a couple of comments, and we get a little bit touchy about being accused of. Um, We've got pretty thick skin, but we do get sensitive when people accuse us of. Oh, you put something in there; it's obviously an the, ad. The, that's not, and and the, not, this no, absolutely we, wasn't an ad. Yeah, we obviously do say this is obviously an ad, and we actually write it when it is an ad. And we're so, so if you don't embarrassed that we're running assume ads. Assume it's not. Yeah, so so assume if <laughs> you'll know if it's an ad. But this, just because it was attributed a business that talked about something that they were doing. Um, and I can't even remember who the business was um, that we quoted now. That's how good we are at advertising if it was an ad. But anyway, look, um, all that aside, it Which fascinated it me. We spoke to Sean Sherlock on the podcast uh, last week, um, Beer is a Conversation, and he talked about you know when you wanted to get a bottling line back in the early days of craft, um, you like there were a couple of wine companies that would import the bottling line um, and there just weren't businesses geared up around it. And when we talk about the jobs that craft beer is creating, um, it just flows right out into the industry where... Yeah, yeah, you know, it's not just brewers, it's not just packaging 
people and it's not just you know bars and restaurants and stuff it's actual you know it, it goes further than that. equipment manufacturers are having to make you know 10 years ago i think there was one canning line um manufacturer um in in the u.s now there's at least half a dozen that, that are selling can canning lines into australia there are deep deep palletizers all of these bits of equipment are businesses changing the, the way they do business to cater to the craft beer industry but also um, you know, when it used to be, you know, a quarter of the beers in Australia were VB, um, and you know, every beer had a substantial marketing share. The big brewers just had these massive um, breweries that you know were running factories. You know, factories, they were huge lines. But these days, they're running so much smaller print runs as you know the number of you know stock keeping units that they're producing um, are smaller and smaller, and they've got their own craft arms and things like that. They their need for um, smaller capacity is, is um, changing as well. So yeah, so I, I just threw that in because it's one of those little stories that we just keep an eye on how the industry is changing, and it was just a bit of a touch point that, that I found quite interesting. Yeah, and in case you didn't get it, it was not an ad, <laughs> and it's but it's in the show notes. Go and read it. That's it. And again, tell us the things that you've noticed where industries are changing, um, being shaped by, by craft beer. Yeah. Matt, speaking of touchy, uh, uh, this is a, a This is a, a touchy subject. subject, yeah. It is. Um, product recall, we saw another one this week, and it does highlight the um, uh, look the opportunities that it gives breweries to, you know, get on the front foot to, you know, to deal with uh, adversity um, and, and I guess show what their business is made of in terms of how they do respond to, to things when things go don't go well, but it does also highlight that you know perhaps things aren't going as well as they should, and and it, it is something that needs addressing. Yeah, um, and look at it. You, you don't win any friends when you write about a product recall. I, I think that's one of the important things that Brews News does because we don't, you know, like we didn't write an article. Um, this brewery can explodes, person injured or anything like that. Um, but we, there was a, a situation this week, actually after we'd written a series of stories, when um, a can of cider um, exploded in someone's hand in a Melbourne bar and forced him to go to hospital. Now, there have been a spate of recalls over the last three or four months that we know about. There have been a whole lot of recalls that just have gone completely under the radar. Um, and... I think the biggest problem that the industry faces is when these things are just not talked about because, you know, there everyone talks about how we're an industry that's pushing boundaries and we're sort of doing this, we're doing that, and sometimes that doesn't come at a cost. You know, I, I think sometimes people forget that there um, there is a reason that big brewers do some of the things that they do, that it's not just because they want to, you know, they, they don't pump preservatives in but you know they don't want to do things it's not just about doing things cheaply and to make beer shittier um there they, they do focus on quality and so not everything that big breweries do is done for a negative purpose and some of the things that they don't do are because when you are distributing your beer and you're sending it out of your own little part of the world that is your brewery and you lose control of it you lose control of what happens to it yeah, that's that's an interesting point, Matt. Do you think there's a, 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 a have we come become a little bit blind to um, you know because there's so much more talk about cold chain logistics and and we are training that second ripple of of our industry, which is the you know supplier and the um, the retailer, about how you know how important it is to look after beer and you know it is a food product. 
But are we resting on our laurels there and thinking, it's okay, we've told them all that they need to look after it. The reality is that you're still going to get um, stuff that's that's allowed to get too warm or it's, you know, it's not handled ideally, whatever it might be. And I'm not saying that this is the, the reason that, that this occurred, but it's a reason that it can occur. Yeah, look, and there are a lot of views in the industry. And, you know, when we sort of wrote that article recently talking about, you know, pasteurisation, it wasn't saying you should pasteurise. Um, but it, it, it came as a result of a lot of industry chat um, talking about, you know, there, there are these problems that no one's talking about. And I'd noticed that as soon as you raise pasteurisation in polite company, it's just like you've let one, let one rip. Um, <laughs> in because, church. In church, because <laughs> there is this perception that pasteurisation is bad for beer. And yet I've never seen any you know, really good, you know, you, you speak to brewers that pasteurise and they swear blind that they, you know, including brewers that I really respect, they swear blind that you can't taste the difference, just talk to others and they swear that you can. Um, yep. So we wanted to get a bit of a data point around it. But, you know, as speaking to people in the retail trade and people who know about beer quality, you know, they sort of say, well, you don't have to pasteurise. But if you're not pasteurising, what are you doing um, to make sure that you're not getting these problems? And funnily enough, the, I, I had a few people say to me over the last uh, few months, it's only a matter of time before somebody gets hurt. There, there have been cases of people in factories um, or in warehouses that have had bottles explode and they've just happened to be wearing safety goggles because they've seen things happen like that happen before and they know the risks. Um, but, you know, if we've got bottles exploding in warehouses um, and the risk of people losing eyes, then that's not good for the industry. And it just happened that we found the, 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 the story this week we found out about. Um, but and there's been a lot of celebration about how proactive the, the, the brewery has been. Um, but I've also heard a lot of times when it's happened and well we're not necessarily this brewery but it, where it's happened in the industry and it's just been quietly uh you know recalled and no fuss or no fanfare about it um and so nobody knows about it and i do wonder whether things would have been as proactive in this case if it hadn't have been brews news find out about it and contact the brewery um rather than it just happening and you know word spreading it, it, it's something that as an industry we need to talk about because the last thing that we want is craft beer to be uh, synonymous with uh, gran and pops ginger beer um, under the house um, going off yeah and look you and i have spoken uh both publicly and privately and amongst bruise news listeners at, at our various public events that we've done and that sort of thing where people sort of discuss you know oh you know the biggest threat to craft beer is you know it's it's um it's it's macro beer or it's you know it's uh commodity beer and that sort of thing uh or it's you know it's wine or it's uh, rtds or it's alco pops or it's distilled spirits whatever it is for me, and I've always said this, that the biggest threat to craft beer is bad craft beer. Overhyped, over-expensive craft beer that underwhelms and blows up in your hand. Yeah, um, and, and so that's as a as an industry, that's something that we really need to get on the front foot about, and to and look with um, the this year's BrewCon uh, being held in Melbourne in August, end of August. Um, the, the program of, is sort of being prepared and, and looked at as we speak i wouldn't be surprised if, if this turns up as a you know something that we really do need to address exactly and, and you know you speak to a lot of brewers and that's one of the reasons when last year uh, newstead we talked about newstead and congratulated them on how well that how proactive they were and like I still Which co- think- coincidentally was cider as well, because we, we kind of think of it as a as a beer thing, but 
um, you know, cider, so many more breweries are, are bringing out a, a, a cider product. And, and that's why I talked about pushing boundaries before, because a lot of the beers that, we, that we're hearing about um, that are having problems, uh, well, some ciders, um, which is a, a different category, but um, fruit beers, you know, beers that have got fruit in them um, that traditionally haven't had fruit in until the Corona at the poolside bar. Um, yeah. And that's one of the ones because the, the, the beers handle differently. And if, if you're not sort of on top of it, you can have problems. Um, and yeah, we, we absolutely need to be aware of these things that are, that, that are going on. Um, but so on, on that Newstead one, um, uh, Newstead handled it. Really, and and I, I got a message from uh, Mark, the, the, the brewer, and he said, because I'd said, oh, you know, they've obviously got professional um, uh, assistance. Um, in, in terms of handling the, 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 the recall and the communication. Or the PR, the, the communication around the yep. recall, yeah. Yep. And I got this note from Mark, so saying, oh, well, we didn't take any, you know, I just got my team in and sort of worked out how, how we do it. And to my mind, that makes what, how they handled that even better because I, I still think that it's exemplar for if you've got a problem with your beer, you own it, you own it straight away and you get the message out as widely as possible to stop. As, uh, and as quickly as possible. As quickly yeah. as possible. And they really did that. And I've seen you know, a couple of the other breweries um, who have had recalls, you know, they've put things on Facebook or you know, they've gone out quietly to trade and just sort of taken the beer back. Um, which I guess is good for their brand in a way. It doesn't harm their brand, but at the same time, it doesn't put a lot of pressure on anybody to change their practices, or you know, it, it also doesn't communicate more brightly, brightly in the industry, uh, widely in the industry, that there are potential problems. Um, so anyway, yeah. So um, I, I, yeah, congratulations to Newstead because I still think that that's the exemplar, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about at our panel in Good Beer Week, Prof. Is uh, you know, we're going to speak to some lawyers and some food industry people about how to prevent and how to handle um, uh, product recall. Yeah, and just ahead of that, uh, look, it's a little while before tickets come out. And when I say tickets come out, uh, we don't charge anything, do we? I think that no, no, free no, tickets? no, you, you, you just got to register. Just so we know, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but last year, and, and it's, look, it is it's it's getting more and more popular. But it is a really great session. It's at, um, at Federation Square upstairs at um, uh, at Beer Deluxe. And it's the Cryo Malt Brewers, the, the trade hub. And so over the three days, I think it's the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of Good Beer Week, um, a rotating uh, smorgasbord of, of various sort of seminars. And, and they are genuinely really interesting, very much um, geared towards the industry. But the, uh, some of the things that we talk about have great interest to the, the public. And that's been uh, manifest in the room being as full as a fat lady sock. So if you really are genuinely interested in in those sorts of things, um, as soon as that comes out, um, bang on, uh, jump on your your laptop and and book your tickets. All right, um, time to delve into the mailbag. But before we do, Matt, uh, we are diving in the mailbag. Uh, just I think the only thing, and you may have been wanting to talk about this later. We're now on Spotify. That's big I, news. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to uh, kind of open up with because uh, some people may be listening to us now. Um, and, you know, being greeted by uh, – look, it is genuinely um, – I, I love listening back, even though I go, look, I know what we said, but I've got to listen back to see what Joe, you know, sort of plucks out as the, um, <laughs> as the opener. And then straight into the music, I'm loving it. I, I hope you guys are too because we have put a bit of thought into it. Uh, and now that we do have original music, we are now uh, allowed to be on Spotify. So get around and why don't you? Um, a quick one, uh, Great Australian Beer Festival a couple of weeks ago, and I forgot last week to mention uh, an apology that I owe to Gage Roads because we were talking, I think it was uh, episode 204, 
205 or 206 um, about issues with the name Dry Dock. And I attributed that as a Gage Roads beer because I remembered it came out around about the same time as Single Fin and Breakwater, Breakwater, which has now been retired. Um, Dry Dock was actually a, a Sail and Anchor beer, so I do apologise. Sail Anchor, that, I think they brewed under licence. I thought, I thought that's what we said, that it was brewed under licence. Oh, and I, I, I think I did attribute it as, a, as, a, as one of the Gage oh, Roads okay. beers in that kind of, um, you know, port, bay, surfing right. lifestyle setting of, of all those different names. So thanks to the guys. Um, really good to catch up with the the Gage Roads guys. Who can I say doing some really good stuff? They they had a really good activation down at um, down at Geelong, and they've done well. Sort of, I think bringing the the Matzos into the into the fold, and their business, which looks after all the that side of things, is called Good Drinks. Yep, and do, yeah, doing some doing some really good stuff. So credit where credit's due. And all over the place in uh, WA as well. It's amazing to see uh, the, the, their their beers. Um, so really getting out there. Single fin is everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And a, and a cracking beer for this sort of weather too. I don't mind it at all. Um, so don't forget to review us on iTunes. Can you review on Spotify or can you just share it and let Oh, I don't know. know. Yeah, you can share on Spotify. Um, I, don't, I, I, I don't know. I just listened to it. I'll, uh... But anyway, look, let, let people know how you found us. And if you, if you think that what we do um, is of interest to you and might be of interest to other people that you know, let them know. Diving into the mailbag, you should probably read this first one because I, I imagine Mike Morgan from Other Side Brewing, which is over in WA, did you actually catch up with I did, Mike? I caught up with Mike. Uh, got over to see Other Side. That's one of the places I'll take you to when we're over there in July for Western Australian Beer Week, Prof, which is going to be one of our upcoming road tours. Read his letter, why don't you? From Mike Morgan uh, from Other Side Brewing. There are a couple of things I jotted down when listening to the News and Conversation podcast this last week. In the news the day, you covered the issue with the use of people under 25 in alcohol advertising. And I was thinking at breweries, we often take photos of our staff, reps, marketing, etc., and then post to socials. Come and enjoy a beer, blah, blah, blah. And quite often our staff are under 25 years old. Do you think there's a different part of the advertising code that allows that? Thought it would, was interesting. And at risk of just completely going uh, wrong from the outset, no, you shouldn't do that um, because you shouldn't feature people under the age of 25 in your advertising. Um, and that includes staff so um, now, i've noticed uh, i assume it's nationwide but at uncle dan's um we will ask you for id if you look under 25, 25 yep so they, they set that as a as a bit of a benchmark and i don't know whether that's because look i grew up you know working um behind the bar in both restaurants and, and restaurants with bars and i know that as i once i got about past about 23 24 25 everyone looked under 18 like yep. you just get to a certain point where everyone looks like you so you know now nah, you're okay you're okay well and i'm gonna ask you for id but the older you got it's just like you know what? i'm just gonna ask everybody mate at the exhibition you, last year i i asked somebody for id and they were actually oh. under 20 and i high-fived myself going yes I yes to, you know like because you, you suddenly ask this girl and she laughs and uh she's 30 you know like, take as a compliment take as a compliment yeah. Yeah, but look, look, most most are okay. Most know that they, particularly if you have a young looking face, you'll see them. They'll come up with with the the um, you know the credit card in one hand and the ID in the other, because <laughs> yeah. you know, they just know they know they're going to get asked. And most people, you know, are not are not offended. But yeah, look, I, I take Mike's point. Um, you can have, as you say, very youthful looking thirty year olds, or you can have old and wizened looking eighteen, nineteen year olds. I mean, but it's a voluntary code. Um, so yeah. you don't have to, but again, it's a code that's in place 
because if there is not a code, there is such um, antipathy towards alcohol that, and there's a lot of pressure on the government to actually regulate. The last thing we want is the government regulating anything. So, yeah. you know, if I'm the, going to promote my business, though, Matt, and and, and put something on on Facebook, am I going to choose? You know, I've got a choice between you know. Young-looking, happy, bright, vibrant well, people. 25-year-olds can be young-looking. Or the cast from Dad's Army. I know which I'm going to choose. Yeah, I know, but 25-year-olds can be young-looking. But, but I guess the problem, as with any regulation, regulation isn't targeted at people who are already going to do the right thing. No, no. It's yeah. targeted at the monkeys who are going to do the wrong thing. Um, but it's perfectly legal to have people between the age of 18 is, and 25 in, in my venue. But, but yeah, it, absolutely. But the idea is that you don't want to be appealing. Like, like you're not allowed to make it look, you know, make beer look like, um, or alcohol look like it improves your prowess, prowess with the other sex. You're not allowed to make it look like it does a whole range of things that are seen as positives. Um, and... I, I, I guess it's the same way that they use a certain um, looking person, you know, really good looking blokes to, to model, uh, you know, Bond's wife fronts because you picture yourself looking like that when you're wearing those wife fronts, even though you look like me. Um, you've, you've got that mental image. And I, I presume that if you are targeting, you know, like if you've got a 20 year old or 21 year old having a great time, um, then both 16 year olds want to look a little bit older and, you know, it, it's just portraying things in a way that can encourage younger people to drink is 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 the mindset behind it mm. yeah i yeah I, I get that but i don't like that we're, we're handing the responsibility of uh being ambassadors for our brand to you know 23 24 25 year old um reps marketing pr people whatever but but you can't be actually i agree yeah, mate, i and this is unless, we, those... unless there's some way that we can, you know, because Mark Zuckerberg probably he's probably already worked this out because of the sort of twenty years. But do we do we, we geotag everyone and it'll have like their passport number and birth date above their head? So, well, no, but know, it's just but it's just the breweries of making automatically sure blur that, anyone who's under twenty five. But it's just the brewery making sure. And the the, the, the cases that ABAC highlighted recently were a couple, you know, were a couple of young people who were living this. You know, they were the influencers, and you know, if if you don't have certain rules in place. Um, then you can have an 18-year-old who's just got their licence, who is suddenly a social influencer who is getting advertised. You know, I, I, I know I, I can see all the things you're saying and I agree. I'm a firm believer in what I call the firebreak approach to legislation. You stop well short of the line um, because otherwise you get um, fuckwits who are always, as soon as you, there, there's a line and people start going up to the line, you get people who start going over the line and everyone forgets where the line is because there is a competitive... Um, approach to advertising sure. and sure. so that's where look I, I, I agree and it's stupid and but and, and I don't necessarily like to call anybody out but um, one of the breweries but I will um, and on, on this occasion one of the breweries that got in trouble was Southern Bay Brewing who posted one of those juvenile memes of you know, the 1950s dad holding up the glass of beer and said something like, you know, it's Friday, you know, who wants to join me in a beer or six? Something stupid like that. Um, now, on one hand, absolutely funny. You know, you sort of see it and you have a bit of a chuckle. You might share it with your friends or whatever um, as, as a private person. But as the industry, the you know, health guidelines are that responsible drinking, you know, six drinks is regarded as a binge. And you can go say whatever you want about that. 
But when you've got a, a, a maybe they meant it was a paddle. Maybe it was you know no, six well maybe eighty mil maybe. Mm. But it, it was mm. no. See but, but they didn't say that. No, but it's but fraught. It's it fraught. was. It was one of those ones. It's just like those mum memes where it's a minefield. You know, uh, I, I I always keep a bottle of wine in case of an emergency, like it's today. And you know, like those sorts of things that are just sort of glamorising and glorifying drinking, in a way that can easily be perceived as being an unhealthy approach to drinking. Um, and so the, a, the ABAC came out and sort of said, look, you know, this, and they found out against, found off against a brewery, and the brewery gave a really smart-ass, um, dismissive um, submission to it. Um, but then this week, when a publication wrote about the, uh, the meme, the brewery shared it, saying, you know, what does everybody think of this? Is this a nanny state? And so they essentially reshared the meme um, that they got in trouble for posting originally. That they got in trouble for posting for meme. <laughs> for, and they were just being smart asses about it. And I sort of think, look, if, if, if you're really going, you know, yes, there are problems about this. And yes, you can have a nanny state. But it, it's one of the reasons why I um, you know, don't like the word booze being used because it just has a perception and a connotation that if it's used appropriately, probably isn't there. But then it just becomes, um, you know, a thing. And look, Yes, but stop short of before it actually becomes a problem because otherwise you can never point out the fuckwits who are, who are the problem because the people who are doing it responsibly have you know, a right on the line as well. Exactly. Sorry, uh, second, part, so second part, Matt. Actually, just, of, a, just, um, sorry, just a little. Yesterday I had a story about my beer book club um, written about in the broadsheet, um, which is a fine publication for you know street and the the Facebook teaser um, when I saw it was why just uh, go to a book club where you can learn about books won't go to a book club where you can learn about and drink great booze and I went fuck <laughs> I can't share this you know because I can't be and so I ended up contacting the editor and sort of saying look I don't mean to be a narc I know that I'm being an ungrateful dick. But would you really mind changing this? Because I, this is the problem I have with it. And they changed. The thank you to uh, to the broadsheet for. Good and they sort of said, look, yeah. And they said we normally don't do it, but we appreciate this. And it was referred to. And I just thought there was absolutely no way I can face anybody if booze is referred to in this. But that's how strongly right. I, you know, I, I yeah. actually, yeah. Anyway. Oh, no, no, no. You stick to your guns. People appreciate that. Anyway, so um, thank you, Michael. Yes, and uh, there was one other in one of your beer, uh, beer conversations late last year with Scott McKinnon. You guys chatted about the beer barrel program with Lark and how it might be the first in Australia at least. I was listening to the beer healer chat with Moobrew. Moobrew is Dave McGill, and he mentioned how they have a barrel exchange program with Archie Rose. Not sure who was first, and it doesn't matter, but I'm excited to try both now. Yep, really exciting uh, innovation, and it's always impossible to know who the first is, so never claim well, you're the first uh, of anything. Yeah, I think uh, going back, because I, I was the one who interviewed Scotty for Beer's conversation, and it was the fact that the barrels were not just, you know, yeah, we'll give you some of our barrels and then you give us some of the beer. It was actually the barrels were then going back and having so the distillery was was sending the uh, barrel over, having it filled with beer. The beer was then disgorged, and then the barrel sent back to be filled with spirit. So it was how does having beer in it affect the the um, the whiskey and how does the yep. having whiskey in it affect the beer? So it was a, like a, a two way program, which I think Scotty was saying was the was the first. So I, I do know that because um, I'm pretty sure Moobrew too have have worked with Lark um, in the past with um, with barrels, but I don't know whether those barrels were then just used for for beer that had whiskey in them or whatever. I don't know that they they had the the return program. So that that's as I understand it. But anyway. And yes, I'm excited to try them as well. Thanks, Mike. Uh, from Pat Nichols, and this was through Facebook. Question, what do these beers have in common? From Boat Rocker, Sunshine and Rainbows. 
Enigma. From Murray's, Pineapple Express and the beer that goes with pizza. Answer, they don't actually tell you what kind of beer it is, as in what style. I don't understand this type of marketing of beers. I had to ask my local craft beer bottle shop what style the beers actually were. I saw that the Boat Rocker beer has a couple of different can styles, though the Sunshine and Rainbows branding, uh, brackets Tahitian Lime and Session Sour Ale, uh, is the enigma of the old branding for Session Sour Ale. Uh, why don't breweries label their beers properly? And that's from uh, Pat. Thanks for that, Pat. It, it is an interesting one, isn't it? Because you could also, you could take that to XPA. XPA is not a style. XPA is not a style. Gold nail. Gold nail. It's not a it's style. Not a recognised style. So much confusion in 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 the industry, and uh, and it can be so many different things. Again, I'm going out of my comfort zone in terms of um, things I'm uh, unknowledgeably opinionated about. But um, the wine industry, I believe, you know, if you um, look at the old world wine, you know, you had to know to understand what grapes were in a wine and how it would taste you had to know what the region was and what the chateau grew and those sorts of things and so when you talk about like so look a french wine you won't get uh this is a shiraz or this is a chardonnay it'll be it's a bordeaux but hang on that's the region yeah so in bordeaux these are the styles these are the styles you grow and this chateau specializes in this style so a lot of assumed knowledge um before you could order it and that was one of the things that really democratized wine in the new world that you know you had an Australian Riesling um, and those sorts of things, and so you know if, if you liked a Riesling, then you would try a Riesling from the Margaret River or you know somewhere and else. See and, how they compared, yeah. And so how, how does the Riesling grape translate when it's grown in different regions or made by different winemakers? Mm. And and that did a lot to demystify and popularise wine, popularise wine. Um, I, I, I guess. Um, and, and and that's an argument that we can have in beer. And ultimately, you know, like I agree with um, Pat um, in that sense. But then again, I guess it depends on um, who the target market for those beers are. If- I'll give you an example, Matt, and see what you think about this one. Um, two beers. One I'll call a gold nail and the other I'll call uh, a Kolsch. Yep. Now, somebody might go, oh, I don't. I don't actually like ales. I've never. I've, I've tried a couple of you know ales. They're always dark. They're fruity. They're half flat. You know, warm because that's what I had in England. So I'm not. I, I don't want to. So I'm going to leave that one because the the thing says ale. This one over here says Kolsch. I'll give that a go because that sounds or or you know uh, because it, it doesn't say ale, even though it is an ale. And then take another step further. Why does Furfy sell so much? Not because it's called Furfy. Not because it's brewed at the the old mystery mill down at Geelong. It's called um, refreshing ale. Refreshing ale. We go. Oh yeah. Well, beer should be refreshing. I'm going to buy that because it says refreshing ale. If it if it, Furphy, by the way, is a Kolsch, a Kolsch style. So if that if that beer was labelled Kolsch, uh, which is you know, it could be, um, would it sell as much? That's a really great conundrum because my, I mean my understanding is that when. Uh, Four Pines first created Kolsch. They called it Kolsch because it sounded craftier than calling it a, you know. Well, it also fed beautifully into their marketing, which was uh, hand- that, that around that handcraft, yeah, handcrafted, not handcrafted. Yeah, and also it's not a Kolsch because we've taken the umlaut out. It's a Kolsch. Yeah, and and so, and so in, it played into that um, because you know the, the Kolsch was looking to do what Champagne had done and say no, you can't call your beer a Kolsch unless it comes from Köln. You shall have to check whether refreshing ale has been. 
trademarked. Trademarked, yeah. Um, because maybe that was a reason that they did it, or it's just a description. And, you know, it's just like calling a beer a summer ale, um, and then suddenly the sales plummet in winter. Not because, in winter, yeah. Um, just because you go, oh, I feel a bit funny um, well, drinking Stone summer. Stone and Wood Pacific Ale has, has won gold and a silver. I think it won a silver in the, in the English summer ale category. Exactly. At the it's a World ale. Beer Cup. Yep. Yeah. And, and so, look, it, it, ultimately it's marketing, but the best, you know, I, I think the best summary of what a beer style is um, comes from Stephen Beaumont and... From memory, Matt, that was from the World Atlas of Beer 2nd Edition, which came out, I think, in 2016? Yes, yes, in, in, yeah. exactly. And a beer style is an informal agreement between a brewer and a drinker expressed via the label by which the former tells the latter roughly what sort of beer they are going to buy. Um, and a refreshing ale... If you put refreshing ale on your beer and it's a refreshing ale, you know, you've fulfilled that informal agreement. They, they know what they're going to get. If you put XPA on a label, it doesn't really give. But if you're appealing to a more informed beer consumer, then, you know, they know well, what well, they, well, they're going to go. They're going to go further because they're going to turn the can around and say, you know, like uh, uh, Ben Krause at Bridge Road Brewers does this really well. On the one side of the label, it's got about the, about the brewery or about Bridge Road Brewers, I think, and then on the other side, it says about this beer, and it gives you some little notes and sort of the the little rating in terms of you know is it hoppy, is it malty, is it sweet, is it sour, and that's great. If and you've a got little the bit sort of consumer that wants to invest the time in exactly reading the back of it. So ultimately, you know, all labels are marketing, um, and you know there there is no one way to to market your product. So yeah, no, Pat. Oh, and Matt, I'll give you another great example for uh, and this Pat, this will this will tell you. A lot. Um, I remember when uh, Malt Shovel Brewery, so owned by Lion, Malt Shovel Brewery, uh, James Squire Range, mm-hmm. they then had uh, seven wives. Mate, I still can't remember who, which beer is which in that range. Because <laughs> exactly. You've got- but, but, the, but the thing is, now, the, the marketing behind that, I'm, I'm thinking, or the philosophy behind that marketing was that we're going to catch people, you know, with one of these. They'll go, oh, I like Malt Shovel Brewery. Oh, I like the James, James Squire beers. I was doing a tasting. I said to a guy, um, mate, do, do you want to try a Pilsner? No, no, I don't really like Pilsners. Oh, what's your favourite beer? Oh, that's Seven Wives, which is a Pilsner. Four Wives. Four Wives, was it? Sorry, yeah. Seven, seven Tails. Seven Tails. No, Nine Tails. Nine, nine Tails. Yeah, uh, seven. seven. There must have been a seven. Seven ace of spades. No, <laughs> maybe there wasn't a seven. <laughs> but you're right. It was the four wives. How beers are named after the prime? Oh, I'll numbers. tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because he had four wives and three three mistresses. That's okay. where I'm getting. Yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm just adding it up. But anyway, that showed <laughs> how the marketing could kind of blur the lines between. Oh, I like that James Squire. Um, I can four get you wives. over. Yeah. No, but I wouldn't drink a pilsner. Yep. Blissfully unaware that they're drinking a pilsner. And that's also trying to sort of get people sort of, you know, I, I guess that's the, the reverse, is that if you're popular enough as Craig James Squire is, you get them into the ecosystem and they'll have, you know, like uh, the Sunset Ale or, or whatever, or, you know, the... So I, can't, I, I, don't, I, I, I can never remember which one's which, so I don't <laughs> even bother learning it because that's a childhood memory that I lose if I remember those names. But yeah, so it, it, ultimately it's, it's, it's all marketing. Which I, is a I nice like, little segment. I like, I like that concept that you, know, you can push out a childhood memory. <laughs> Just by remembering <laughs> a beer name. Great email from Mark Gordon that came in overnight, which is why you don't have it, Prof. Hey guys, I've been meaning to send you an email. Thank you. And our prompting is obviously getting people uh, to do that. So yes, please let us know what you're thinking. If you've got any comments about any of my rants and you know about legislation and you know marketing and things like that, please let us know. 
Um, I've been meaning to send you an email, but I thought this would be easier. As it relates to Facebook, this makes sense anyway. This came through the uh, Facebook comments. Relating to your Facebook group you have mentioned a few times, I think this type of format, format would be easier to handle if it was closed to people who support the show. Sponsors, Patreon, etc. That way you can keep this stand, <laughs> the, the standard beer numpties away, and I'm glad he said that <laughs> and not me, Prof, um, away and not have to manage every post or delete the constant bolter any beer hate argument that runs through these groups. Um, making a closed group for supporters of the show would be an open additional content and it may sway some of them to support the show with their hard earned as they are receiving something a little extra I'm all for that Um, I've been listening to the show for coming on a year and have really enjoyed the in-depth interviews with people within the industry and hearing about new beers breweries on the way Keep up the good work. My apologies for exceeding the cook limit. Never apologise for exceeding the cook limit. Uh, Mark, you should know that. Um, now, who, who was that one from? Mark Zoom? Gordon. Mark Gordon. Okay. Yep. So. Thanks for um, that, And, mate, that's a really good idea because, I, as I said, I do like the idea I don't want to administer something, uh, like overtly administer something um, that takes a lot more work. Um, but maybe that is a way that we can just sort of have a – because, you know, we, we've got a great group of listeners – who yeah. just and from the, the emails the, that they send through are always very insightful. There's a lot of yes. industry people. It's exactly the sort of discussion group that I'd like to be part of. So maybe that's the way we can do it if we can close it or have a password. I don't know. We need to get Joe to research this. Because uh, I'm very much aware from uh, anecdotally from people just telling us when, when we catch up with them, uh, a lot of people who – look, I don't comment, but I do love engaging in the conversation. So I like seeing what people are um, – what their opinions are on on different topics exactly, and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's uh, let's let's work towards getting um, how 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 the mechanics of a, a Facebook group might might actually work. Speaking of Facebook, Matt, just before we wrap up, I do have to say uh, thank you. Episode two hundred seven. I remembered seeing a famous person, uh, celebrity outside, uh, like snapped and um, posted outside the Endeavour tap rooms, and I offered a bar blade to the first person who came up with it. I'm pretty sure Mike O'Shea did come up here only he very very narrowly beat andrew drayton uh with the famous star who visited endeavor tap rooms beat conan o'brien and indeed it was there you go thank you so, sir. That, that's so mike says. o'shea yeah. mike mike if you can if you can flick us uh, a postal address please uh producer at bruisenews.com.au yep and uh we, we can get something to them and speaking yeah. of which, Prof, uh, a lot of underground call, interest. Don't call us on 1300 852 235 because you'll get Rowling's we'll labels. labels and stickers. Um, but Go there's on, been a lot of interest in our T-shirts um, that sort of went by the wayside in a site redesign. But I, I think we might go back to even just sort of print a run of T-shirts so we can sort of send out the, uh, you know, the, the, the riff on the malt water hops and yeast the, uh, and provide yeah. those. So. Yeah, um, quality, consistency, balance, and style, style. Or you can, or you could have the um, hops and Brett and novelty and hype. Excellent, excellent. So we'll do that, and uh, people can get involved. Matt, thanks very much for episode two hundred eight. Thank you, Prof. Um, thank you, and thank you again to... Now, apparently we got Josh Donohoe's business wrong because uh, I'd seen it listed as uh, craft Coast brewery craft tours. tours. It's craft beer tours, yeah. Yeah. So, but I've, I've fixed that all in all of the show notes. But I think uh, in, when, when we talked about it, it was brewery tours. But thank, thank you, Josh. To Josh, again. Because yeah, because Josh also we should point point out farm to fork uh, and other. Uh, so it's not just beer, but it does you know obviously that's the main bit of it. But but it does also involve um, you know tailoring um, tours to suit you know the the group's needs and they yeah you know, so they might want to go to a a winery they might want to go to a, um, a venue for lunch or whatever that happens to have great beer and 
that sort of thing. So, yeah. All right. Exactly. Cool. Uh, thanks very much, Matt. Again, thank you, uh, thank you very much to all of our supporters and especially to you, all of our listeners, because without you, it's just Matt and I talking. So you listening really kind of completes us. Thank you very much. Um, this has been Good Brews Week. I've been Pete Mitchum. That has been Matt Kierkegaard. You have been marvellous. And we'll see you again next week. Matt, give us a quick teaser before we go. Next week's beer is a conversation because the Chris Sheehan one was an absolute cracker. It was a cracker. Um, uh, oh, you caught me on the hop. I think we'll do the, the one that you weren't actually a party to, uh, which was Heads of Noosa, which of Noosa. chronologically was the first one. But it yeah. seems silly to post the Josh Donahue. And then we pulled up at you Monday and then suddenly go to something else. So hey, one of my favourite um, uh, trivia questions when I do my trivia nights is what was the last Beatles album recorded? And it was, oh, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was Abbey Road because it was Abbey Road, it but it was after. released after. Yeah. Because so I didn't actually know what they were going to do. That's it. And um, so same sort of thing. Heads of Noosa, yeah, it was recorded earlier, but, um, but released later. And we can do that. It's the kind of guys we are. Uh, let's just hope that it all goes well and we don't have to recall the episode. Thanks very much, Matt. Thanks to all our listeners. See you again next week. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer.